Hello, you. Welcome back to Everything Trying to Kill You, the horror comedy podcast that discusses and rips on all your favorite spooky flicks. I'm Rachel. I'm Mary Kay. I'm Mary. And I sure hope you enjoyed our last episode, our birthday bash featuring a not-so-secret Sandy Claus gift exchange. It sure as hell was a treat for us, but sadly, we're now moving out of spooky season and straight into tell racist Aunt Karen to get fucked season, you know, also known as Thanksgiving. And, you know, what so better true. way to kick... And what better way to kick that off than a movie about girlfriends coming together to splunk away all their troubles. A movie that will have everyone asking, what in the Christopher Columbus is this shit? So yes, tonight we are talking about Neil Marshall's iconic 2005 horror thriller, The Descent. Is that the monster sound? Good this movie. Yeah, we're trying to make the monster sound. <laughs> Like a bat. I sound like I sound like a like a like one of those like the nerdy boys in class having a panic attack. <laughs> oh my god! What the fuck school did you go to? <laughs> one where they try the exorcisms. That oh explains it true all. story. That explains it's actually it all. every time I've ever gotten like blackout drunk, I call my older brother, and I do this. I go, Matt. Tell me, tell me, tell me again the story about the botched exorcism that you saw. And then my brother is such a great older brother that he won't even be like, I've told you this a million times. No, right away without missing a beat. He goes, okay, so there I was. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then Pastor Grenstead. (laughs) So as the older sibling can confirm never get tired of telling you your business. (laughs) So if you call and you're like, give me some of business for others to business with. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I got it. I got it. I've been trying to tell you to listen to me all these years. Like I've been said. You've actually just triggered a memory that I didn't realize I had Mm -hmm. when we were growing up. And if both of our parents were going to be out of town, we would have these discussions and my brother would do this nod at me at the dinner table and be like come to my room later we're going to talk some business and he would nod his head every time he said business and I always knew that meant we were getting into some trouble shit (laughs) we were planning some debauchery whenever he said we gotta talk business I had a friend when I was like when I was like (laughs) junior high age and I was in Spain so the junior high and the high school were all the same right so like there was this one dude, um, I adored him, he was a good guy, but we were, um, our, our families were friends, right? Like our younger siblings were friends and stuff. So even though he and I were like a year or two apart in age, um, we were always like very platonic, just like good friends. But anytime he was like, all right, like, like our families met for dinner and he and I would be like sitting outside with our, you know, sodas, like talking, whatever. And the adults would come out and be like, what are you two doing? He was like, sorry, it's teenage politics. Oh, I like that one. And it is so accurate because that's that's really what teenagers think we're doing all the time, right? Major dealings, mm-hmm. world shifting <laughs> agreements, mm-hmm. deep state plans. That's what we think we're doing when we're teenagers. But speaking of debauchery, mm-hmm. I think our icebreaker, because, you know, we always have a hard time getting started. 
<laughs> Should be. Okay, so you know how I think it's Beth whenever Sarah is having her panic attack, mm-hmm. whenever she gets caught in You're accurate. It's the Beth. tunnel. She says, "How do you what how do you give a uh orange and a lemon, a lemon and orgasm? And orgasm?" Yeah. Um and what's the answer again? Tickle it citrus. Yes. So what is the dirty joke you would tell your friend to distract her from a panic attack? Mine is, what's the worst thing to hear when you're giving Willie Nelson a blowjob? What? I'm not Willie Nelson. (laughs) I I have always loved that joke. Yeah. (laughs) Always loved that joke. I'm pretty sure I took it from David Sedaris. I did not make it up, for sure. Where did... no? I've heard that. Okay, we'll look it up. Listeners, we'll we'll put it in the show notes for you. We love you that much. We'll we'll try and track it to its source. I hate stealing comedy, so I wanted to make sure I gave credit where credit was due. I call next. Okay, go. go. Oh wait, does it have to be a dirty joke? Yeah. Or could it be any yeah. joke? It has to be a dirty joke. It has to be a dirty Okay, fine. How do you spot a a nude man on a beach? How? It's not hard. You guys will still be friends with me after I say this, right? I don't know. What are you going to say? What does a dude say if you bite down hard while you're giving him a (gasps) blowjob? Oh, God, what? I don't know. I thought you'd know mine keep passing out. The original Mary. comedy stylings of your friend, Mary. Mary it Amelia was not Byer. even. It was not even the joke for me. It was the delivery for me. <laughs> she looked me dead in the eyes. I was like, I don't know. I thought you. <laughs> Amazing. Stand-up oh. career coming soon. No, it was awesome. I don't know why you were self-conscious about that. I don't know why you had reservations about that. That was amazing. <laughs> that was a good one. Was, that was honestly. It was nasty. My mom, I, listeners, I told my mom about Rachel's horror story I wrote for her, and she was like, Mary, that's disgusting. <laughs> well, so, yes, that's why it's scary. God, that I was know, so I know, but then, like, good. now I'm like, I thought this was my brand. Like, just be repulsive. But now... You know, we love it. Obviously, it's just not a mom style thing, and that's fine. I mean, I want to embrace it, but I also I want to be commercially successful. You know, like I want to be like, you know, like when Queen Latifah did a movie with Steve Martin, and it was amazing, and it was like the best movie ever. That's the degree of commercial success I want. Queen Latifah didn't go yeah, around well. talking about biting dicks. Well, Didn't she though? I mean, uh, the mom's... only part I remember from that movie is her hump, dry humping him on a couch, and her boobs were not in a supportive bra. That is literally the only part of that movie I remember. And I Ooh. was at the time just like, "Well, this is very funny, but I am distracted by your pain." Yeah, I know. Well, you know. You're right. Khadija don't need you. She, I, I think she would. <laughs> I think she would have bit a dick. I forgot about Khadija. Speaking of biting dicks, um, wh- was this movie, The Descent, was it scary? Bitch. Yeah. Well, did you think so? Yeah. Okay. But first, 
let's talk about why. Because first of all, um, it opens with them doing adventure shit on a river. Yeah, that's scary to me because I would not do that shit. Right. So is Splunking because I would also not do that shit. I'm pretty sure that we have a close friend who almost died rappelling into a cave. Like he is in a chair now. And he almost yeah. died. Um, oh, it's, I mean, it's certainly not secret. He, um, our friend Tom, our friend, for me, mentor, uh, yeah. Tom Harris, there's actually a Rescue 911 episode about him. It's not at all secret. Um, okay. He. Um, oh, that's right. Okay. I just didn't yeah. want to be telling people's business. Who, no, no. You know. It's 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 public knowledge. You're good. And um, he, uh, he, at the beginning of his career, he's always worked in mental health and social services. At the beginning of his career, he did... Um, adventure therapy essentially with kids so they did things like like hiking and and river trips and caving and in a caving accident uh his spine was damaged and he now uses a chair also it's super funny because his his skeletal structure is still like navigable so he can prop himself out of the chair right if he has enough support he yeah. could even like he could move his legs, not with his legs, but like with his arms and hands, right? right? Mm-hmm. So he has worked with kids for a long time. There's always that moment where the kids on campus see him like get into his car by himself, and they're like, "Oh, we knew he was faking." Mm. And I'm like, y'all, "Well, y'all so y'all so dumb." It was actually pretty cool because he had like I remember he had um, the brake and the gas that he used with his hands. With his hands, right? Yeah. And he, um, um, in fact, that, that, I don't know if you remember Mary Kay when we would build drums, that like metal implement that he used yeah. to tighten rope. Uh-huh. He designed that and Makes like welded sense it to me. because um, traditionally you use your legs for leverage against the drum. Yeah. So oh, he yeah, designed okay. that so he could tighten the same with the same force. Well, that makes a lot of sense to me. Also, I am not saying that being differently abled is necessarily a bad thing. I'm just saying yeah. plummeting and fracturing your spine in a cave is an experience I don't want to have. Yeah, and then, like, I don't remember who said it in the movie, but one of them, I mean, they're all blonde. They all look the same to me. They really do all look the same, though, except for Judah. one of them... And Sarah and the lesbian who's maybe not gay. And Beth. Okay, so... there's. Okay, well, there was one character as they were walking towards the cave was listing off all of the reasons why this could go wrong. Claustrophobia, dehydration. Mm -hmm. That was her. That was the one who was like, this was, this is a tourist one. But so many things can go wrong. That's Holly. Exactly. Holly, yes, uh, thank you. Oh, I thought maybe that was Sarah. So, so she was listing off all of the things, and then all of those things happen, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, plus mm-hmm. these fucking things, evolved people that are like, oh, God. It was just, it was Murphy's Law on steroids. Well, Anything that could have gone wrong did. Yes, true. Also, Juno puts them in that position. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, Honestly, and no, and everyone trusts her, and she does not disclose any of this because I wanted us to of, be able to name it. Go fuck yourself. Of all the things she does in the movie, or that we are aware that she has done in the movie, that to me was the. There's a, there are other things are bad. Plenty of things are bad. This is life threatening. 
imminently. Like that. And especially because it definitely seemed like her motivation for doing all of this was that she felt guilty mm-hmm. about how mm-hmm. her previous choices affected mm-hmm. Sarah. And she was trying to like make it up. It was the big gesture, right? Right. So, so it's she like you put, could... you put what, six other people in danger as part of your grand romantic gesture mm-hmm. to make this and, up to your um, friend. Sarah actually confronts her before they before she did the, the little zip lining thing over on the ceiling bullshit. She said to her, she goes, is this about me or is this about you? And then Juno goes, it's about us. It's about mm-hmm. getting us back to the way we were. So did you interpret that to mean that Sarah already knew? Because I, when Juno apologizes no. her, apologizes to her for leaving after the accident, I interpreted that 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 moment, that confrontation to be like, oh, like Juno feels guilty, like she didn't stick around long enough. Sarah is resentful about it. And Juno's trying to like get them back to their No, it their vibe. was I think it was more she was talking about what Juno did by leaving the book. She goes, Is this is this about me? Because like everyone's like, Oh, Sarah needs this. Right. And she's like, or is this about you? Is this your ego trip? Which is it's essentially was. Juno is a narcissist, like 100%. Mm-hmm. It all comes back down to herself at the end of the day. Oh, we're going to get into that, though, because I don't know. But, um, but yeah, so what else? What else? What what else made this so, scary? Listeners, well, I got to tell you, Mary Kay called me out my name and she was right to do it. We are texting as we were all like watching this movie because I'd never seen it. Mary Kay hadn't seen it in a long time. And uh, yeah, I saw it in 2006 when I was dating someone from Chattooga County, which is where this is set because it was set there. (laughs) So, So, right. So she she mentioned because, you know, one of my benchmarks, as if if you've been listening for a minute, is always like, could this happen to me? Right. Like if it couldn't, that's why us like fucked me up because I was like, well, I wouldn't know until it's already happening, would I? Right. Um, but Mary Kay was like, well, see, this couldn't happen to me, but it could happen to you because you like to do this kind of stuff, which is true. Mary loves adventure adventures. Stuff- I hit my quota on adventures with, an, with many near death experiences and was finally like, you know, it's really, I don't need to chase this adrenaline. Like it, I don't want this and anymore. I, even my adventure <laughs> stuff, like, let's be real, like. Would I like whitewater rafting? Sure. Am I looking to go on the very most dangerous river? I just, I want a little bit of a, I just want to feel like I'm on a, like a, like a, like a Oh, when tub. it's in a controlled medium? instead of still cool water. That's that. all. That's all. I'm, I'm into that. Like, I, I, I enjoy camping. I do. I have been whitewater rafting. Also, I have a great horror story about that from when I was a child. Um, like, I, I do enjoy adventurous stuff. But when Mary and I, Mary Kay and I were in AmeriCorps together, the first time they said caving, like we take the kids caving, I was like, oh, what's that like? And I assumed it was like the caves I'd been to with my family as a kid where like you walk in and it's well lit. With a guided tour. And you're looking at stalactites that are like on. Yeah. 50 feet above your head. And you know, right. you're in there for like 30, like when we went to Niagara, you know? And... Um, then they were like, oh, no, I mean, it's so cool. Like, sometimes you have to crawl because, like, you can't, like, lift your I was like, nope. I, no. no. Like, I did not know no. I had any claustrophobic tendencies uh-uh. until the word caving came up. Well, and I was I like, that's a hard, hard, to be... hard 
pass. I will trade with a different AmeriCorps who is willing to do that for the day and go with a different unit, but I can't, I didn't know until you like positioned this to me. I, I can't, I can't. I can't do that. So I also think it's different to be like, could I play hide and seek and be in a closet for a couple minutes? No you have control. When I'm underground? No. 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 No, because if you get stuck, you're stuck. Sorry. Bye. You have control. Also, can I tell you, someone in trying to convince me to go caving had the horrible bad sense to bring this up to me. That moment that Beth crawls back and they are face to face... Mm-hmm. in a tunnel where they both have to lie flat. I was like, no, mm-hmm. that's the opposite of the thing you should do. Because you yeah. can't back out of there as quickly as you got in. In fact, you might find yourself in a position where you don't you don't know how to back out because the people behind you can't see you well enough to give you direction, and the person in front of you can't see what's behind you to give you direction. So you're essentially Winnie the Pood, even though you're not necessarily. You got there, you got back out, like... You, you could do it, but you can't figure it out. And the more you panic or get fearful, the harder it's going to be. Like you're spe- specifically not supposed to turn back around face first, I thought. I thought. Then again, as I just said, I've never gone because fucking danger. Yeah. I'm having anxiety just thinking about that scene. So Me too. I stress ate a whole and, pint and of ice cream, y'all. Run far away from the scene. The only thing else I want to say about this scene, and we mentioned it, and let's just get it out the way so we can fucking get away from this fucking scene. But what she says, the worst thing that could have ever happened to you has already happened. I was like, what the, what the fuck? Shut your fucking mouth. No, that's not true. Because on top of that, now I'm stuck here having this conversation with you about it. (laughs) That's the worst. That's the worst thing that could ever happen to me. Yeah. I mean... I, I think it, it was probably a good tactic in the moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. But... No. But also, it's kind of shitty. It's like a tough love thing where it's like, oh, it's well, kind of yeah. shitty, we, but I mean, it got a reaction, so... Well, we... And, you know, we did that with kids all the time when I worked in mental health. Like, not necessarily that dramatic or intense, but more so like, hey, is, is this the worst thing that's ever happened to you? Like, knowing that I know what's happened to you, is this it? Right. Is this the yeah. absolute... No, because you lived through the worst thing already. So mm-hmm. let's go. Also, the joke was a great tactic because a lot of the time what we do with the kids, like if they were really struggling, I was like, all right, jumping jacks, push-ups, something, anything to reset your breath. Yeah. Just kind of trick your body out of mm-hmm. that breath pattern yeah. that, that's part of the panic attack. Um, what I'm, uh, Several of my kids, when I explained to them, we had a little lesson one day where I was like, this is what how your brain works. This is, this is what's happening when you have a panic attack. And they were like, oh. And I was like, great. So your body is doing a breathing thing that you don't need to do. That makes <laughs> sense. It's kind of like hiccups. So we're just going to trick it. We're going to trick it to do the right thing. And that'll have the same kind of effect where it's going to go backwards on you. Mm-hmm. And um, so it got to the point where I would like look over and a girl who had been like looking a little like, uh-oh, in the face would just be like doing jumping jacks. And I was like, you good? And she was like, I'm about to be. And like they had this tool for themselves now, which is why the dirty joke is so good. Because if you surprise someone and they laugh, like it resets some of the breath mm-hmm. pattern. Like it was a it was a solid tactic, but it's also not a, the kind of tactic that I would recommend unless you're talking to, I don't know, a lifelong best friend. 
Okay, your lifelong best friend that knows your other mutual best friend is fucking your husband. See, I knew thought she learned time. that in the cave. She did. Did you no, read it knew. differently? No, she didn't no, know. It, no, yeah, Beth well, knew. It, Beth knew, but Sarah that's didn't what I'm know. Talking about. Oh, yeah. No, but that's what about, I mean. Yeah. I thought Beth found out in the cave. No, mm-hmm. she knew from the beginning because oh. the second time I watched this, remember the time, remember when Paul goes and he takes off. Um, uh, Juno's helmet. Yeah, what the fuck? Yeah, well, first of all, Paul ain't even trying to be slick about no. it. No. Second of all, the camera cuts to Beth watching this happen, oh. like, with her also, face. And, and then, when, well, hold on, when she was driving, um, what's her face, Sarah, she even said to her, um, basically saying, without actually saying, yeah, Juno's being messy, I would be careful about that. Well, you know, that. where I got it was when Gino said, point blank, we all lost something in that crash. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, so presumably the child is not the thing. Right. I feel like Sarah would know about that. So somehow Paul is the thing, and I don't get the impression you were related, so there we go. Um, yeah. But the thing is, Beth knew that. That's not useful information for Beth to share at that moment. Well, right. Right? But like, she's she's giving... They're, like, Mary Kay and I have known each other for 10 years now. You're welcome, listeners. That's how you know we are crones. And <laughs> um, there is... I can absolutely envision a situation in which I would be like, okay, right now I have to make her breathe normal and stay alive. Later I will tell her this yeah. horrible thing. I'm not, not going to tell her... But later I will tell her the horrible but thing. But now is not she, the moment. Because the priority is, <laughs> yeah. the priority is no Winnie the Pooing. Well, no, I that's I understand that. But this should have been told well before Way the before. I See, Way I didn't before. think she knew until they were in the cave. And it was confirmed. Like, I thought she had some suspicions. Mm. Yeah, but that's what I thought. Um, okay, that's fair. But I also, like, so if I, with one of y'all, if I thought something was going down, I would be like, mm, so I might be crazy, but I feel like something's going down. You might want to mm-hmm. smell his dick. Yeah, no, all the, all the kind of the more revealing moments about the affair happened in the cave. So I thought even Beth right. might right. not know for sure. Um, and that so that's fair but um but i also feel like yeah so to that point if i had suspicions but they were unfounded and you were already married and had a child Mm -hmm. i would not disclose that without being sure yeah i mean that's a good point mary Kay and i went through this when we were first friends and it was like i mean obviously the circumstances were not exactly the same because you know because I wasn't married. As I you were not married. There were no children. The similar moment where it was like, I'm getting information like second and third hand. Mm-hmm. I was with Mary Kay at the time this was happening. So I obviously wasn't there. And I was like, I don't, I don't want her to find out from someone else. But I also like, I'm not going to pass along information that I got from a bunch of very drunk people, a bunch from like a very drunk person who. So she did this really slick thing where she told someone <laughs> that she knew would tell me. And then that person told me, and she was like, she told me because she knew that I would snitch him out. 
And I was, I was like, like okay, I, thank I, you. Also, I don't even think at the time that I, I got that that's why I was doing it. It was more so just like, you've known her longer than I have. Like, what's the move? Because I'm yeah. not trying to, I'm not trying to start shit, but. Okay, so just diffuse the responsibility, 24-year-old Mary. Well, that's, that's, kind of, that's how I felt at the time. Well, really, though. I know. Wendy had known you for how long at that point? And I'd, we'd known each other less than a year. Okay, our friend Wendy at the time was 60 years old. So Wendy knew everything. She was mm. amazing. Wendy is... She was in my belly dance class. The she baddest. Was awesome. The baddest. She is no, awesome. And she also, I just haven't seen her she, forever. By, first of all, by saying that... I, Mary wanted you to know she just, like... Didn't want to be the snitch, I guess, or whatever. Yeah, but, but also, Mary Kay and I talked about that. Like, a day or two later, I was like, girl, you ain't talked to me at all. Let's, like, what? I got it secondhand. I didn't want to be a liar. I didn't want to upset you over nothing. Like, I'm not passing on something I don't know is true. And she was like, okay, fair. I was like, yeah, now I know. So if what it happened- did 22 Mary Kay do? 22-year-old Mary Kay said, okay. Um, and I said, now I know. Like, in the future, if you'd rather just know, even if I don't have a, like, if that would make you more comfortable to know what I know, now I, like, I get it. And she was like, okay. And now we're friends still t- 10 years later. What are you asking about what you did? Do you want me to, like shout out some terrible choices you made immediately thereafter like throwing well, your phone I a bunch well I feel like or... the first thing I did was rebound and then the second oh, thing I true. did was take a phone call from that person and he was like I just feel like there's a lot of rumors going around and I was like mm-hmm, what have you heard and then he told me and I was like so which parts of that is true and he was like all of it and I was like okay motherfucker what like you can't be a fuckboy and also a good dude. Like, coming clean doesn't make you... Listen, Not Lawrence. having done that. <laughs> right. God. Anyway. Um, Rachel, there's one last thing <laughs> under the prospect of scary that I'd love to hear you elaborate on. In the outline, it's point G. Could you expand on that a little bit for me, please? <laughs> it's the... Love each day for me. <laughs> like, motherfucker, you're like, like, not even like hiding the fact that you're having an affair with your wife and you're telling, you're saying, love each day. Like, uh-uh. <laughs> That's me, is that the two baddest bitches in this game both were into that? Yeah. How? Well, That's back, the scariest part of this movie. This was back before wall decals, Mary. <laughs> So it seems like it wasn't a cliche yet. Yeah, when I when I first heard it, I'm like, what in the live, laugh, love? Like, <laughs> Mary Kay, what was what was one more scary thing? One more scary that thing. You to say? Mm-hmm. Yes, one more scary thing was okay. So I do not identify with Juno except for her survival instincts, right? Like they. They switch on, and then mm-hmm. she can't really switch them off. So when she turns around after killing that <gasps> dude and stabs her friend in the throat. So heartbreaking. accident, I was like, oh, shit, that's what I would do. Mm-hmm. I would not leave her there, I don't think. <laughs> Fucking I hope not. Jeez. So here's, here's where I got stuck there, right? Like, you're already at this level of adrenaline. You're already at this level of, like, 
just gotta well, stay alive. Well, that's true. Like, I've never been in that high level of adrenaline, so I don't know what I would do. But here was my question. But, like, I was looking at this, and I thought, like, I immediately thought, oh, she's dead. And when she yeah. didn't immediately die, I thought, like, well, yeah, but there's nothing you could do. Like, what do you do? Like, I couldn't believe she could even use her hands. I thought for sure she'd severed her spine. I, I thought, well... This is heartbreaking and this is horrifying. And perhaps the most humane thing to do would be to end it now. Yeah. But so remember how, could, how I told like, y'all both I'd shoot you in the face if yeah. you turned into zombies? I'm After watching this movie, I'm not confident I could do it. It's hard. I. Yeah, I, I watched that moment. Everything about that moment just broke my entire ass heart because... Yeah. That's the moment that Juno actually, like, she fucking grappled in the dark, weaponless yeah. with this creature for a long beat before she ends it. And when she spins, there is no reason for her to think anything other than Dude, she's defending her life. Every part of me Ugh. watching that, and I can't, can't believe I forgot that that happened, but every part of me was like, undo, undo, control Z, undo. control Z. It was an accident. It was, didn't mean to. Like, oh, it just made me, oh, gosh. Another thing that um, I wanted to talk about in this movie is deceit. And yes. I know we touched on it some before, but there's just so much. Like every every five minutes, there was a new, some kind of form of deceit happening. Like, first of all, we already got Juno out the way, but let me just say one more thing about her fucking deceit. And that's when she said in the movie... Oh, I don't like books. They don't leave room for interpretations. Yeah, and same with your morals, bitch. No room for interpretation. I feel the exact opposite. I feel like her morals are, like, her situation is some of the most, like, gray area shit. And if anything, that was a moment that made me, like, when she said no room for interpretation, that made me examine, like, oh, wow. Like, as someone who is passionate about the written word, like, and passionate about interpreting Mm -hmm. the written word... What is the flip side of that? Like, what does all that black and white leave leave on the field as opposed to something no. I can work with? I'm just going to say no about that. There's no it, moral equivocation you can make for sleeping with your best friend's husband. Oh, I meant about the books. I, I wasn't equivocating oh. that. I'm well, also, I, it made I me felt like a, that's a thing that I really loved. Well, books are definitely open to interpretation. And so is everything except for when you sleep with your best friend's husband, which is fucking unforgivable. And why would you ever even put yourself in that position? And what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, oh, it's. It's it's atrocious. It's the worst thing. Well, I mean, killing your best friend's husband might be worse. No, I don't think that's worse. Killing your best friend's child. That's up there. I don't know. Killing (laughs) it's the hesitation. Killing your best friends, plural children and pets. Well, pets doesn't really add anything to me because I don't have any. Or kids. You understand how other people, (laughs) but you understand how other people feel about them. Why are we doing this? I don't know. (laughs) Because because I'm making the point that when she says interpretation, like interpretation is a big word there's a lot of scope and there's a lot of stuff that is terrible 
but not as terrible. It's a lot of stuff that is terrible, except that also, like, there's... No. No. I'm not making terrible, excuses. Terrible, period. I'm not... I don't want to rank sleep. the terror. I don't want to do that. Not, like, also I'm terrible. Not, okay, I don't I'm not like planning her. to sleep with anyone's spouses here, guys. What I mean is that um, there is... Rachel is just Jerry Springer over there on her couch. She's like, you're the father... Yeah. You mean Ma- you mean Maury? Yeah, same thing, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah, they're both, they're both, yeah, Ricky, both Ricky. Um, oh god, and then Ricky got his own show then too. Oh yeah. So so yeah, I just mean that like I, something that I appreciated about this movie, right, is that we've got an entire cast of women. Like the one dude has the one line the one time, where he drives into oncoming traffic. Which is the oh, yeah, thing that it, he should have done, fucking asshole. And then it suddenly became um, Final Love Destination day, 3. Right, yeah. For, but Jesus So we have Christ. all women, and each of these women make morally suspect choices. They make confusing choices, or they make choices that are downright irrational, even for themselves. I really feel like only Juno does that. I'm sorry, but when also, Sam, but when Sam says, like, I'm not going to call the monsters down on me... You think you have a better chance of surviving without Juno? For real, girl? You think that's your best means out of here? Because we no. already know you you ain't all that. Like, they each make... Even Beth being like, hey, I'm going to call her out her name right now. I think they have a better chance of getting out of here together than they do alone. Like, there are so many moments where... Like, none of these characters... They're fucking humans. They are human women. A bunch of them in a horror movie... In two thousand fucking like five, actual women too. Yeah, they're like actually, acting, like they they're have, just they're yeah. people. They're people, which means that their emotions get in the way of practicality, or their practicality gets in the way of emotion. Like they're just people, and I could not get over how many moments like my guts were just twisted up because I was like, "No, you just harmed yourself and your chances." Yeah. Yeah. I feel but, that, but except for the things that happen before we get in the movie, mm-hmm. like the Juno part. All the other decisions, it's like, oh, you, well, you're in a survival situation. You're not thinking clearly. Like, that's mm-hmm. a little different. But but while we're talking about deceit, let's take a moment to talk about Holly for a second. Okay. So, first of all, I have a question. What are they fucking talking about when they say that she's Juno's protege? What what was that? That she she just also an adventurer and Juno's more experienced, so they've been palling around. Okay. Also, that's what I thought. Is that Mary Kay? Did you feel differently? Well, I thought she was um, the little sister's quote unquote protege, so that was a misread on my part. Also, there's some definite homoerotic undertones between them. Yeah, I thought her and yeah. Juno were fucking. Which they yeah. might be. Also, there's that moment where they're talking in, in the cabin, like the night before, which also we are going to talk about in a little bit because my whole heart. Um, but the cabin the night before where they're all just like hanging and drinking, having a good time. Um, See, I would do that part. <laughs> that's, that, that was part basically that was basically Kate's bachelorette. I know. Um, <laughs> that was so fun. It was. So, um, but they are talking about, uh, like, Holly being a sport fuck. 
which mm-hmm. to the best of my understanding, UK slang at the time is that like she, like she, she has fun. Like she, she's only out there for the game. Mm-hmm. No interest but then do you, in like but then, keeping someone. But then do you remember what she says later? She goes, oh, but when I'm older, I'll I have, have a bunch of babies. Bunch of sh- yeah. And I'm like, and I looked at, I looked at the movie screen, like with her right, I went, <laughs> um, you know, Rachel, I feel like I, I'm so sorry if this is news to you, but even lesbians may choose to have babies. And I'm just saying, she's, <laughs> I'm just saying, I like, that's a kind of gay you can't pray away. I mean, maybe you're right. I mean, that, and that's how I felt every time Juno was on the screen. I was like, you know, I, I, date exclu- I exclusively date men as a personal choice on on my behalf but damn was my like my my gay side was coming out so hard during this movie every time Juno was on that screen because oh she's who gorgeous gave, who gave yeah. her the right who gave her the audacity to be that goddamn attractive she had that good hair stupidly beautiful just, truly. a stupidly beautiful person And in fact, you know, something I appreciated about this movie, right? That these women didn't just like dress hot, stay hot, the whole, in fact, one of the, one of the sweetest moments in the cabin the night before is when Beth comes out in the pajamas I'm essentially wearing right now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh my God, are you serious with these granny jammies? And she's like, uh, yeah, they were a gift. They're comfortable. I'm rocking them. God, I love that um, character so So it's so not about any of these, like, they are women on vacation together. And I think that is so, so much to Neil Marshall's credit that his previous film yeah. was entirely men. So when he realized, like, this is what I want to do. I think this is going to be cool. He basically was like, every smart woman I know, every woman in film I know, hey, I want to make this not bad. <laughs> what do I do? That's such a good idea when you're writing no, about women to so, consult other women. <laughs> that's literally what he did. It was supposed to be a mixed cast, mm-hmm. but then he took the advice, like you were saying, Mary, from his friends to do all female casts. And so he listened to them. He goes, okay, well, how, what should I have them do or say? And he said in an interview that unlike that first film, he said with an all female cast, not only are they, you see them experiencing this, but then they can also tell you what they're feeling, how they're feeling mm. during the experience, which the men of his previous film don't have that opportunity. Yeah, no, it, he, he took the steps necessary to tell yeah. the story as, as truthfully as he could and, um, and to create characters that would resonate with us and characters that were capable and each differently capable and, you know, just really beautifully, fantastically done. And that's how we end up with someone like Juno, who we're going to spend the entire episode arguing about, clearly. Well, I want to argue about Beth because I feel like y'all didn't like her that much. And she was my favorite or the character I identified with the most. I loved Beth and I knew you were going to say that. Uh, well, of course, she's an English teacher who was like, well, there's exactly. two as I see and it she was like, picture. I'm an English teacher. I'm not the fucking Tomb Raider. I was like, right. <laughs> Mary Kay, go on, talk about that. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. No, and she's also very nurturing and yeah. good humored that you naturally gravitate towards her. She's she's the neutralizing of all of the tension ever. She is hold up, she's hold literally up. I'm sorry, I just put together since we've been talking. Mary Kay, you identify with a character that kept what she suspected to be an affair secret? So I did because the character was grieving, okay. married, and had a child. Mm-hmm. That died. That died. Um, and had just had a child. And I feel like in that situation, I would be much less likely to be like, girl, you need to smell that dick. Okay. Because that just, I mean, at some point you have to consider like, what am I divulging because it makes me feel better? Like it, it absolves me but destroy someone else's life. Like, can she get through it without? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. is it over? If it's already over and it was a one-time mistake, like, I don't know. Because I don't know that on the other end of it, I could know and keep going. If I didn't and know, she used... it's like it didn't happen. And she also uses her dying breath to tell yes, her the business. she does. Um, which is sort of a deathbed confession, which is like a little bit shitty, but I also, but also that's when it's confirmed too. If the main reason she's saying it is because Juno accidentally killed her, like if she wouldn't have said anything if they'd all gotten out of the cave, then she's not saying it because she's such a good loving friend. She's saying no, it because right. she's it's bitter. An, right. And that's a whole other thing. I thought it was because she grabbed her necklace and saw that it was Paul's and was like, my suspicions are confirmed. She needs to So here's the thing. I thought that she like suspected, but she didn't have all the facts. So she didn't say nothing. Right. And then she snatched at the necklace deliberately or otherwise, but she could read it and she knew. Mm -hmm. So I thought that that was confirmed for her in that moment, which means that she didn't snatch at the necklace to cover her ass. That's when she found out. Yeah, and she me was too. already like, and also I was like at that point, you know, she didn't. You snuck up behind someone in Mortal Kombat, right? I did. No, I did not think it was a, like a retribution thing. I thought it was a, um, here here's the evidence that I have. Suddenly, I'm sorry that happened to you. Like that's I what I thought the apology I, was. It was not like I, I'm yeah. sorry I didn't tell you. I'm sorry that it happened. I yeah. did think that there was an element. I don't. I didn't see that I could separate them. That for her, and like she is dying horribly. She's suffering horribly. For me, it was like I don't. I don't know that I could ever parse totally whether. I mean, if 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 Sarah, if someone else had happened to find her instead of if Sarah, would she have told them like go tell Sarah this? I don't know. I I don't well, know. I, I feel I, like. I'm sure she's mad. I, let's be real. I'd be mad. I would not want to die. But, but no, I think I think that whoever was there would find the necklace because she would hand them the necklace, and they may or may not know what to do with it. Right. So I don't know. Like I said, I I think almost everybody at some point in this movie made a choice that made me be like, oh no, in the vein of characters being deceitful deliberately or or by a mission sarah comes at juno with the like what about beth right Mm -hmm. when she already at least as far as she knows she has the facts 
And I thought, man, I don't even know if Juno is lying right now. She left Beth bleeding out from an ice pick to the throat. If she says she died or even I saw her die, I'm not sure she's lying. Right. And but then she's held to account for that. And then the Mm. same thing when Sam, uh, when uh, Rebecca says that, you know, the way that Juno's like calling out for Sarah, she's going to call these monsters down on her. And Rebecca essentially says, I'm sorry, uh, Sam essentially says, oh, better her than me. Like, as long as it's not us. I was like, um, girl, you you have critical information about how these creatures work. Mm-hmm. And if you teamed up with Juno, like with your information and her skills, uh, damn. Yeah. Much more likely to get out of here. But you decided to just say, like, <laughs> fuck it. While, while you hear Juno screaming for another member of your party to try and find her and team up and work together, you're like, nope, nope, nope my safety first so there's so many Mm -hmm. moments of like (laughs) that was pretty shitty yeah there's so many moments of like withholding a little information here or giving slightly different information there that like damn okay yeah i want to talk about one more scary thing give it yes real quick um i remember 14 years ago or however how long it was when they are crossing that um, crevasse, right? Well chosen, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, all of these women are fucking jacked. And yes. as I was sitting on my sofa, stress eating a pint of cookies and cream, frozen yogurt, I was like, this is not fair. And I was like, well, I guess it's pretty fair. <laughs> they're climbing in, in a in a cave. Um, anyway, when she clips in to that equipment that has been there for a hundred years, yeah. I was like, "Oh no, Ooh, I do not like that. Do not like that. That's bad. Ooh, that's bad." And when they first get into the cavern, they they also find that bloody handprint. I didn't even mm-mm, remember that. Mm-mm. I just kept thinking, "Screw down, so you don't screw up." <laughs> didn't help me feel better it was all terrible I was considering this is something I would a situation I'd never put myself in I was so scared the whole time and then there were monsters and I was like oh good. Uh, it was a surprise creature feature I thought it was going to be just survival adventure and then there's a monster Rachel can oh, yeah. we t- Rachel Rachel, hmm. I just need to know. Do you know already what I'm about to say? Well, I'm finna say about these creatures. Do you know? I have no idea. What, do I know what? I just thought you might have guessed the joke. Like, the way I'm doing... They're Gollum. Yeah. They're just a entire <laughs> Yeah. You know... It's so funny that you fucking say that because I have in the notes to talk about when we talk about the production of this film, Mm -hmm. that the score as they were walking towards the cavern, it sounds like the fucking fellowship. (laughs) Right. See, that's what I thought you you might be out in front of me. They're basically Gollum, right? Like they were previously a different creature, but they become trapped in caves. Yes. So they developed to live and like they evolved. Yes. Oh my god, I'm so ex- I'm so happy you said that. I do like, want to say they could not have evolved 
to be like that in 100 years only. I don't so think whoever they're... left that equipment down there 100 years ago was no. also a victim. They got eight. That's what I was thinking. Oh, yeah. They got oh, eight. yeah. Yeah. So I, I, as the best I understand it from the production end, the idea was that they were like cavemen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, who literally never left the cave, right? Who right. were essentially trapped in this cage, cave and left so infrequently that they are blind now. But here are some things. Okay. Can I give y'all the beef I have? Mm-hmm. Right? Because overall, the conceit is airtight. You grew up in a cave. You can't feel heat. We got a flare. We got a torch going. You can't. You're not like, oh, shit, we didn't do that. You're not looking for for something in the vicinity. You can't you can't feel that. OK. See, I read that as more. I'm going to run from that. They than... also. I mean, sorry, they. They also go to the surface. They do. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm the, saying. So they should not be able to read heat. So straight up oh. fire or a flare, you'd think they'd be like, that's unusual here. Mm-hmm. Even if I don't want to approach okay. the fire itself, like what's nearby? Right? Like right. y'all yeah. can't, y'all, y'all, you know, fire. Also, like, what do you smell? Right? You can't mm-hmm. see. That's fine. You can hear so good. What do you, what do you smell? Because mm-hmm. I'd like to think that if I were as sweaty as I know I can get if you were like basically lying alongside me you'd you'd smell me like I'm I know this is a great advertisement for my dating life (laughs) I'm just saying well I think there's just so much decomposition around there that Mm. like in that particular place that it might not stand out maybe this is also going to lead us into the atmosphere the environment that they're in in Mm -hmm. the appalachia um about like kind of like the country like they're kind of backwards um but before i get into it let me ask have either of you seen the second movie no okay so i'm gonna i'm just gonna spoil it i'm just gonna do it it's not like that big of a spoil because that's the whole premise of the movie but in the second one sarah goes back for Juno. That's nice. And and um in the end one of them is coming out of the cave and one of the hillbillies um he's like she 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 gets out, she runs to his like barn garage thing. He knocks her out and he throws her back in. So it's like a system that they have like keep these monsters happy so they don't come for us. That's a whole different story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I liked the way that the Appalachia, that, excuse me, I liked the way Appalachia was portrayed in the film that we watched for today, though. I didn't feel Mm -hmm. like it was classist at all. I really felt more like the tourists were just disrespectful of all of the effort that went into creating those guides and... Or really just June, yeah. I guess. But well, um, yeah. And I felt also too like they're not, they're not American. The, so their I did idea really... of what Appalachian culture is or country, it like everything they've got is from, I don't know, media. I guess. Yeah, like, and I I really enjoyed Beth's um, joke as they were driving in because. You could hear on the radio it was like gospel or something, mm-hmm. and so she said, I love, "It's so it's funny because it's so true." She goes, 
It's mud, blood, and beer, or sweet Jesus. No, yeah, I felt like, you know, I felt like it was an appropriate... I felt like it was a reasonable... Mm -hmm. Excuse me. There were... A reasonable representation of... Of non-Americans encountering Appalachian Southern American culture. And I agree. Um, And I think there, there also were some telltale signs of upcoming danger um like like when they were again on that road and she saw the sign with the moose on it with the bullet holes and she goes oh that's that's frightening also the fuck is a moose doing in north carolina i spent so many years yeah of my youth camping in the mountains of north carolina and that's not a they don't grow there they can't they just can't you know, it's not a thing. And the best part is that this was never filmed on American soil at all. This was all filmed no, in they, the UK. They filmed in the UK and they and they built the cave because mm-hmm. it's scary as shit to film in a cave. They I made it a maze to too. ask how they shot it. I'm glad that y'all researched it because I was curious. But oh, I got gotcha. you. So I've got some to. fun yeah. thoughts about the or you know notes about the production. If you guys would like to hear them. For example, the creature design. Mary Kay, is there any chance these creatures looked familiar to you? Well, besides Gollum. Besides Gollum, which I'm thrilled that you know. I don't know. Well, I'm going to say it and you're going to be like, God damn it, Mary. They're actually based on Nosferatu. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, The the ears and the pale and the the shape of the face. Yeah. So Nosferatu was a big point of reference in developing these characters. Um, Fun fact number two. We mentioned the rafting scene at the beginning of the movie. Mm -hmm. They didn't have stunt stunt doubles for that. They they filmed it. That was them. So considering that deliverance was another point of reference for this and they were rafting without stunt doubles, double homage. Uh, Another fun (laughs) fact, those, honestly, the the crawlers were really upsetting looking to me. I did not like that Mm -mm. at all. And all of those jump scares were Especially the woman. Why was she so much more scary? Why did she have long hair and the others didn't? Why also, was her death scene so sapphic? Womb-like? It was sapphic. It was like she was trying to give Sarah a head. Hmm. And Sarah was like so, putting her head down and then also kills her. So also those creatures, um, they were very strict. Very mm-hmm. strict on set to be nowhere near the cast. So when the cast saw them, that's all their natural reaction. And the um, Natalie, I forget her last name, but she plays Juno. Mendoza. She said, she said in an interview that there's a few times when she is like um, laughing hysterically, like in in fr- in fear because she because she said even after shooting a, a day of shooting and they would be like standing with them like just off set somewhere. She said it was so uncomfortable to be around them. Yeah, why, why, so why, if they're all so scary, why is the, I mean, presumptive female, I don't, I don't know these species, but like, 
Why is she so upsetting? Oh, and what's funny that you say that is that when I saw that there is a difference between the ma- the male and the female, I'm like, you know what they're not showing? Is that, Dick. okay, these are, yeah, I was like, <laughs> they, they got, they gonna have some dick flopping around There was caves. a moment I thought there was a dick, but then it was just that knife they put in his belly. <laughs> God, that was so funny. And then, okay, so another really cool thing that um, Neil Marshall did was, well, first of all, he was very hesitant. He did not want to do this movie because he was so worried about being typecasted as a horror director, and he didn't want that. Um, But one thing that he did that was really interesting, not only breaking the convention of, um, of like, uh, the the whole female situation. He wanted to have a, he had a full female cast, um, but then also the pacing. He said it's very common in American horror that it all all of the terror happens right away, mm-hmm. and then you spend the the other forty five minutes or sixty minutes playing catch up. And he said, so what I wanted to do was make it the most worst possible situation. It just gets worse and worse and worse, and when it possibly couldn't get any worse. It gets worse with the surprise creature feature that you mentioned, Mary Kay. Yeah. I can remember the first time I saw it when they popped out. I was like, what the shit? (laughs) Like, what? No, it was already so scary. This was the movie that made me be like, oh, this is why you take dates to a horror movie. Yeah. Because I jumped so often. And so often when I jumped, it was like I was grasping for something. And I was like, oh, no, Deuce Dick. is right. Deuce is right. Yeah, well, I was <laughs> also, thinking shoulders and pecs, like, in the direction I was grasping. But realistically, yeah. When, when I was watching... I was, I was grasping watching, for the heart of a dick. You were what? Say that again? I feel like you heard me. But I'll say it again. <laughs> I was grasping for the heart of a dick. Wow. Wow. I like those words together. You're right. I'm grown, and I can be honest with myself about myself. So when I was watching this the second time, and all of the sounds are happening here, listeners, they they could see the spookiness of my living room currently. Mm-hmm. And I have a fog machine, and when you turn it on, it sounds like a motor. And my roommate was um, cooking in the next room, and I with a little has a remote is why I pressed the remote to turn on the fog machine when I say he whipped around so fast that boy nearly broke his neck and he looked terrified he goes oh man because I hear you watching a scary movie and first I didn't know what that was for a second I thought I was in the scary movie I mean it, I just need because you to so much of what was scary about this wasn't even the monsters like the circumstances were so scary mm-hmm. the lighting like the darkness was so scary yes. oh, remember so, when she climbs out on that hill of bones that oh that was a stunning shot after shot. stunning shot also i didn't realize how well i was tracking based on the lighting and the, the shot setup and the production design i didn't realize how well i was tracking until she stumbles onto these bones and i was like oh, bitch they're bleached sunlight go 
Like if I could oh, immediately smart. recognize that if these bones were bleached, something else was happening, then the production design, the lighting, the cinematography, the, the camera work up to this point has been so, so, so good. But so much of what, so many of the image, y'all, this was the first movie we have watched that made me have to turn the lights on after just so the images wouldn't sit with me. Like, obviously that's not going to happen to me because I'm not going into a fucking cave because your girl ain't fucking wishing to die. So, yeah. So the fact that I still had to turn the lights on and I still had to like put on a little something else and like take a minute before I went to bed. It was the imagery. It was the fact that when she falls into a pool of what is probably likely right water, she still comes up and it looks and feels as if she's coming out of a pool of blood and viscera. Yeah. It, it's yeah. like the gore yeah. in this has so much less to do with actual combat yeah. than it does with just surviving this physical space. It's so disgusting. Um, and I'm glad that you brought up the lighting because, um, wow. So first of all, when she's in the hospital, like at the first moment she wakes up, it's like that gross green, mm-hmm. yellow lighting. And then there's been, so, there were so many times when they like light a flare and oh my God, that, that is like the exact that bright representation. Red. That's exactly what I imagine hellfire and brimstone to look like. Mm-hmm. Very also, hellish. Can we just discuss how many flares do they have? Why? Facts. Do they Facts. have so many flares and so few carabiners? What's a carabiner? Well, they lost one of the bags. Still, why What's a so many flares? So carabiners are those metal clips that you saw them using. So they would clip, clip. Oh, um, and yeah, so those yeah. moment, that moment when Juno says, like, we need everything we've got. Mm-hmm. And she, like, unclips as she's going and it's super high stakes. That's yeah. That's why those clips are what they need to be able to traverse those kinds of spaces or drops. And um, granted, they did, again, they lost a bag. But still, I was like, Mm -hmm. so what, all your flares were in the one bag? Is that what happened? Is that what happened? Also, why are they wearing lipstick down there? Like, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Juno looks so damn fine. Girl, I don't know if she was wearing lipstick. They all... They all actually looked like appropriately nasty to me. She might just have maybe, like lips that have colors in them. You think maybe it was like the lighting from the flare? Because I swear to God, it looked like she was wearing red lipstick. No, she definitely wasn't. Okay. Okay. I mean, my lips look pasty right now because of the exact chapstick I'm choosing to use, but I promise you. I love that you said. I love that. I love that. How. You worded that you did not say because of the li- because of the chapstick I'm wearing. You said because of the chapstick that I chose to wear. Well, yeah, because I have other chapsticks that don't play me like that. <laughs> but no, I'm just saying that like I like, I know you've sent me some. I know. Well, like I'm saying, my chapstick, like without like my lips look much more like brown or red or pink or whatever. Like Mary, I think Mary Kate. What color are your lips with nothing on them? Like nothing. <laughs> if nothing were a color. <laughs> okay, but are you like Kardashian nothing where it's like almost your skin tone, but you're just like yeah. kind of 
Did you sing it? Okay. Okay, well. So speaking of. I'm the freak then. Uh, okay. Speaking of Juno, because um, we're going to keep going back to her. We got to keep, we gotta keep, of, we gotta keep going back. She, she's the main event. Right. Um, the one thing that I that had me a little uncomfortable about this movie was that the person who ended up being sort of the villain character was also the only person of color. I didn't think she was the villain. Yes, bitch, she is. She's the worst. She's the villain. She's the villain. I thought they were just... I thought they were all flawed. She was just the most flawed, so she was trying to prove the most, so she did the most. I didn't think she was a villain. Just thought she was more of an anti-hero to our hero. Like, she had the most... She had the most to, like, make up for. So she was trying the hardest. Yeah, so she does this whole, like, fucking Indiana Jones, Christopher Columbus bullshit to kind of make up for her own guilt. Nah, fuck Okay, but to be fair, when Indiana Jones does it, he becomes an international sex symbol for the next 30 years. (laughs) When Christopher Columbus does it, he gets a holiday. When Juno does it, you want to come on this show and bitch about her. She gets stabbed in the leg. Okay, this, okay. And we all all cheered. I stand Mary's response. That was beautiful. Also, I'm saying, like, I, I don't... There is a zero part of me that condones her behavior with Paul at No, yeah, of all. course. It's just that this is this is that wonderful horror movie in which it's all women. And I get, I get how each of them got to where they're going, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I may not have done the thing chosen the thing she's chosen. Sure. Right. But I it makes sense that she's behaving the way she does like and I, I don't necessarily hate her for like well yeah if you made this horrible horrifying choice and like how what do you what do you do what do you do with the rest of your life to try and make it better and it makes sense to me that this character thinks this is the thing to do even if it's mm-hmm. not a good plan it makes mm-hmm. sense to me that she does that like also but also, if we got, like, I'm sure if we got, like, I don't know, Scar or Jafar's backstory, we would feel the same way about them. But what we have are the facts. And what the facts are is that she's shite, as Holly would say. Listen, mm-hmm. um, neither Scar nor Jafar is shite to me. They're both very, very sexy. Well, so is Juno. Agreed. So maybe yep. so, I'm just easily swayed by an attractive anti-hero. I, but to your point, Rachel, I feel both that it's unfair that the only minority is the anti-hero, which apparently is different than a villain. Um, I mean, that's, that but was just my I opinion. Also, sure, sure. Um, but I also like that she could be and that her minority status was not what defined her character. Yeah. Okay. So I liked that. And then there's also um, the other aspect of, and this is not what I believe, but this is what racists say sometimes, that... Asians are the model minority. Right. So, um, I don't know what to do with that except for acknowledge that that's a thing. Well, that's double complicated, right? Like, on the one hand, she, uh, like, uh, so um, Natalie Mendoza is from Hong Kong. Um, Grew up all over the world from Hong Kong. And so 
yes, by like certainly American standards, but I think a lot of Western quote unquote, goddamn, we got to figure out a better one for that standards. She's a model minority. Also, that means that for a Chinese woman to be the resident badass, like to be kind yeah, of I'm not the, mad hard, about that. the hardest, scariest one, that's already an inversion mm. of true the iconography. Yeah, that, so that, like it's it like double that scene triple flips on itself. Mm-hmm. That scene of her lifting her ballerina leg lives in my mind rent free. It should because we stand a ballerina on this podcast. I mean, I was, I'm not gonna lie, I was like talking shit about it before because, like, okay, we get it. You're the ultimate badass. Stop shoving it in everyone's faces. And yet, like I said, that scene lives in my mind rent free. Because here's the thing what is she shoving in your face just then? Her vagina? It's true. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, to your point, in the beginning, I was like, um, these bitches are insufferable. Like, stop smack talking. And then they go into the cave. And I was just like, well, okay, but it ain't tricking if you got it. No. Like, <laughs> each woman, so each of these women has a moment where they are just the fucking toughest. They are so tough. Rebecca, and they have no back fat. And it's not fair. Rebecca is the first out to say, like, all right, huge gap. We could all die. I'm the groundbreaker. Sam is about to be a doctor. She's the one who sets Holly's leg and who can identify what's going on with the monsters. You've got Holly, who is just like, fuck it, I'll throw my body into all the danger. You've got Mm -hmm. Juno, who is... Somehow, like, equipped to fight to the death. I Honestly, the thing is, when I, I watched that scene, I watched it again, and I thought, man, nothing about this looks like combat, like, Mm-mm. she is just in the dark grappling the shit out of a creature that didn't expect to be grappled back with that level of yeah. ferocity. And I, it made me think, like you say all the time, Mary Kate, like, think like prey, think like prey. When you are expecting to be prey, you are already hype. And that's what I saw in that moment was like, no, you're, you're not, I don't even know what you are. You don't get to take me. And she just kept going until she was done. Um... Then you have Beth, who was like, I'm not a fucking Tomb Raider, except that she was the one who figured out there was another entrance. Like, Sam, later, when they have to get across another gap, like, granted, she was probably doing it as an elaborate suicide thing. But, God, she just was grappling her way across another horrifying crevasse. Like, each of these her women death is, is one of the so most. Tough. I don't want to say elegant, but definitely one of the most, like, orchestrated and, I don't know, just the way it's framed with her throat cut and her in the harness. Oh, that's right. It's so cinematic. It's impactful. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, she was she was the one who crossed that crevice first, right? That who no, that was the... Rebecca. No, she crossed. She's just trying to leave. Her older she's sister. So oh. Rebecca, her older sister, was the one who crossed the initial crevasse that got them deeper oh, into the okay. cave. Sam was the one who later. It looked like that's what she was going out to do, and then they were like, "You don't have enough rope. That can't be it." They realized, like, "Oh, she's not. She's not going out there to get us across. Mm. She's trying to die on her own terms." 
So, yeah. Horrifying. Also, all y'all, if you're listening to this, I bet if you watch The Witcher like I do. So you recognize our girl. Um, So, you know, she hasn't aged. So... (laughs) I don't know. I guess maybe we'll just like bombard her on social to figure out what her thing is. I don't know. Let's we'll talk about it later. Okay. Because that girl who played Sam has not aged at all. Like she plays a pointedly hot character on Witcher. It's upsetting, honestly. One thing that you did put in here that I think is actually very interesting was a question that you wrote becoming the monster that I found to be super super interesting well I thought that was really interesting specifically in the context of Sarah right that she her transformation is most dramatic like we Juno starts Mm -hmm. tough as shit and she ends tough as shit Mm -hmm. not that she doesn't grow or evolve but that her her journey isn't nearly as dramatic as Sarah's so we have Sarah, and part of what prompts her this massive transformation transformation on her part is her conclusion that someone else is the monster. Okay. Like once she decides, like okay, well, Juno's the monster. She was getting scary. She was getting committed, but it's once she finds out that Juno is the monster that she bludgeons her best friend to death mm-hmm. with. A random piece of bone, I guess. She, I mean, she transforms. Visually, she is never the same again. Her face is perpetually covered in horror for the rest. Like, it was hard to recognize her as the same character later. Um, And what? I, I, I don't, I mean, I don't even, I. I feel like I need to watch this a dozen more times and discuss it a dozen more times before we I could really like talk meaningfully about these women's transformations and what that means yes. in the context of a group of women and friends to have these tra- transformations and the fact that they keep cho- like, we've discussed this they keep choosing at different points to help or hurt each mm-hmm. other. I, yeah. I don't I don't even I'm not even ready to know what the commentary is there. The only people I remember in this movie are three people. Mm -hmm. Juno. No, four. Sorry. Juno, Beth, Holly, and Sarah. Those are the only people I remember. And then there was two more, the sisters, right? Yeah, Rebecca and Sam. I don't... Their faces are just... I, I can't even, like visualize their face well um their roles are critical to the story and that is definitely to the credit of the the writing and direction that like you can't just extra you can't just like lift someone out the story is the same or it's fine to be goofy on a closing note then um what the fuck um is it like why did that scene of her killing the the female crawler have to be so sapphic. Like, what is that meant to communicate to us? My good, like, it straight up looks like her forcing her head down for oral. Like, what what am I missing there? Well, so the whole movie is sapphic or Freudian, right? Like, 
Right. I wanted to quote. Uh, so you remember in Parks and Rec when Leslie takes Andy to the Lincoln Memorial, and she and he's like, Leslie, this is a really nice penis, but um, we have stuff to do. That's how I felt when they walked up on the cave. Like this is a really nice vagina, but like I want to go roast marshmallows at the campsite. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um. So the whole thing is going back into the womb, especially in the pool of blood, which is supposed oh, to be yeah. the womb, uh, which is water slash blood or viscera. Um, and then her crawling out uh, is definitely like a rebirth. Yeah. And then what did um, Jan Levinson say when she gave birth to Astrid in the tub? She goes, yeah, all of the afterbirth it floats. <laughs> I just watched that episode tonight. I'm so glad I did. That's what it looks like in that weird uh, pool. <laughs> that was Astrid just with her eyes out of the water. <laughs> oh, God. Astrid. <laughs> <laughs> and she and she has a baby that I'm, that I'm, I'm, what did he say? Like, I'm invested in? Something. All right. The worst. One last thing about this movie I want to say that I'm going to spoil for you all, because that's what we do here, um, is that when Sarah goes back in the second movie, she goes back for Juno. Um, Juno had been living and surviving down there for years. Of course she had. I don't know how, because I would felt so vindicated when she ripped her leg out. I was so satisfied as a viewer. I she was... didn't kill her. So basically she did. I hadn't I seen the movie that. yet when Rachel Rachel sent the text about what happens in the second one. And I was like, well, I guess now I know how it ends. But no big deal. I'm about to watch it. Like, I'll know how it ends anyway. At the end, I was like, damn. Now I'm honestly more interested to know how she survived long enough to go be rescued. Also, like, yeah. remember in the in the car when Juno is a ghost suddenly? I'm sorry, you don't get to haunt Sarah. I didn't. You even, don't get to. Right. Do it. The thing is, the thing is, so did her daughter haunted her. I didn't think she was real. I thought it was the same kind of shit she was going through with her daughter, where she's just like yeah. there and she keeps hearing her and seeing her. Except now she's gonna see Juno because now she feels responsible for that. Well, there's, there's actually alternate endings. There's an Australian ending, there's the UK ending, and then there's the one that we saw, the American version. Oh, my. Where um, in the, U- the original version, when she's leaving, like, she sees Juno in the whatever. Um, but the audiences from, like, the pre-screenings said that was too much and it was like it was it was like so so hopeless that by the end because of everything that happened they were already so exhausted that that was just like a little too much Mm -hmm. which also another fun fact about the production um they were going to extend it by a year to like put on all the final touches but because there was a Mm -hmm. Um, competitor film coming out from America called The Cave, they they rushed to have it um, to have it done. What was it? February 2005? 
I mean, I was alive, but I didn't watch horror movies yet, so. Yeah, but it was like it they 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 rushed it and finished it because I don't an American film The Cave was like their big competitor. I don't think it suffers, especially because the idea of a ghost oh, no. Juno is like so we thought we were in for like a physical horror thing. Mm-hmm. Right? With this like added like hypothetical psychological element of Sarah being haunted by her daughter. And then what yeah. we get is an actual creature feature. And then she escapes the creature feature. And now we have a haunting. I was like, I'm kind of here for all of it. Yeah. Bring every it was possible good. kind of horror story into the fold. Let's do it. But the thing that, that made it so good. And like we talked a little bit about this last time. Um, that it's not just a horror thriller. There's all It has so much meat to the central story with the characters Mm -hmm. like that we see in hereditary it's like yes there's these horrific elements these horror and even kind of somewhat like kind of fantasy elements like with creatures and possession and shit Mm -hmm. in these films but the, the the real meat of the story lies in between what's happening with these characters Mm -hmm. as they're having this experience. And I think that's what makes it such a good film. It's honestly, I I loved it. It's one of my, it's one of my favorite things we've watched. I have to take a second to like do a top five kind of thing, but I Mm -hmm. loved it. Loved it. Can't believe I only just saw it. Loved it. Any other last thoughts from the thoughts? Um, thoughts from the thoughts. I feel like that <laughs> should be paid content for us. <laughs> um, okay, so as we were talking before we started recording, I came up with our closer, mm-hmm. which um, we were talking about um, tattoos and childhood books we read, like the artwork. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask, what childhood book artwork, artwork would you have tattooed Onto your body. Gotta be scary stories to tell in the dark, right? Okay. <gasps> like the like the girl with the green ribbon. Yeah. Or like or like the 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 the, the ghost from like it's in a dark dark house. Mm-hmm. Ooh. I'm thinking of Roald Dahl. I just I, I'm. <laughs> Yo, I watched the James and the Giant Peach. That movie is fucked up. That's Tim Burton. Everything Roald Dahl is fucked up. I know, but especially that one. It's horrifying. I would, to start us, I would say, as an adult, I would hope that I would say Edward Gorey, but Mm. I know in my heart of hearts, it would be Eric Carlton. Eric Carl? No, Eric Carl. Eric Carl. Yeah. Eric Carl with the hungry, hungry caterpillar! Or or the fish one with the with the pretty scales. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking of um you know, Richard Scary with his his beautiful his beautiful creatures living their lives was lovely, but honestly I, I do think it would be some illustration of a Roald doll book. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. We have good options. We do. We we can go anywhere we want. <laughs> Um, shall I talk about what we're doing next? Yes, please. If you don't, no one will. So I chose the film Gin from 2013. 
It is an Emirati supernatural thriller directed by Tobe Hooper and written by David Tully. I have not seen it yet, but I saw that it was streaming on Shudder and I got really excited. And here's the description. An Emirati couple return home from a trip and discover that their new apartment has been built on a site that is home to some malevolent beings. Now, no. this sounds very poltergeisty. No. But, I mean, just by that copy, I have really high hopes for this because, listeners, if y'all don't know about the djinn, well, they are extra fucked up and you are in for a treat. So, we will talk to you soon. And thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and tell all your friends about us. And we'll talk and to you soon. And buy Mary Kay's book. Yeah, buy Mary Kay's buy book. book. Review us, please. That um, makes other people like us too. Or not. I mean, I don't know what your review is going to be. But please do it. And we love you. Bye. 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 Hey, it's Mia. Hey, it's Allie. And we host the Rom-Com Review Podcast, P.S. I Love Rom-Coms. Each week, we'll have incredible guests come and discuss a new rom-com, grand gestures, meet-cutes, and of course, that elusive chemistry. Mia, what are you doing holding that giant boombox over your head? I'm hoping to win over listeners with this grand gesture. Take us back! Find a new episode every week. And subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by Campfire Media. Wow, you're uh, still holding that boombox. Yeah, I've got great upper body strength. Thanks, CrossFit. P.S. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. Campfire.